It's Midday Magazine for Tuesday, September 26th. I'm Shelby Herbert. Petersburg's Library Board has three open seats in next week's municipal election. Five people are running. The board helps the library communicate with the public and plan for the future. It also acts as a sounding board for policy changes with borough librarian Tara Alcock. KFSK's Hannah Flora sat down with Marilyn Manish Miucci to talk about why she's running for the position. Manish Miucci says reading has been a priority for her family for generations. I've had the privilege of being on the board for a couple of terms, which I'm very thankful that people elected me to do. And I really, um, I enjoy it. And I feel like I bring, um, I, I bring good ideas to the conversation when we have the board meetings. And um, it's, it's just something I really enjoy doing. Part of it is uh, the motto in our family for my mother was a child who reads is a child who leads. And that's just gone down through the family with all the grandkids and the greats and all of that. And so it's real, a library is very important to our family. What experience do you have that makes you a good candidate for the library board? Well, I guess I covered that a little in the first question. I, I've been on the board a few years, or a few terms, I'm sorry. And I've also been very involved in the um, Friends of the Public Libraries. And it was just, a, for me, it was like a natural, okay, I've been on, working with the friends, and it'd be really nice to have a little more input on what's happening with the library and see how everything works. That's one reason I got on the board. What do you think that the library currently does really well? Oh my gosh, there's so many things. Um, we have a great collection of books and DVDs. We have wonderful programs such as creative writing for adults, um, painting for adults and kids. We have coding classes. We have, um, there's children's uh, reading time in the children's area of the library where after they read, they get to play. They have toys and they get to play and they have so much fun. My granddaughters just love it. And um, there's computers for people that go in, that do not have internet access at home. They are in there using the internet. Another thing that's uh, really nice and great for our town is that the library is a safe place. So kids uh, after school use the area for a safe place. If they don't have anybody, any place to go um, safely between school and home. And so that's available for kids. What would you like to see changed or improved at the library? Mm. Right now, I'm really happy with what is happening at the library. Um, we are so lucky to have our director who is constantly looking for grants and matching grants. And I don't really see how we can improve much. Um, I'm sure there's always little things we could tweak, which we, which she, uh, Tara will bring to the board. And, um, so we just we act on things when she brings them to us. But right now, we are doing great. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? I hope that everybody gets out and votes. And um, because it's our right, and in a lot of countries, we don't have that right.
That was KFSK's Hannah Floor speaking with candidate for library board Marilyn Manish Miucci. KFSK will be airing conversations with candidates for the library board this week. Petersburg's municipal election is Tuesday, October 3rd. Early voting is available weekdays from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the municipal building. Wrangell is one of the first coastal communities to face major wastewater treatment upgrade requirements. As Sage Smiley reports, the new testing and treatment could cost millions. And Wrangell officials say they feel like they're aiming for a moving target. The Federal Environmental Protection Agency has updated its proposed new wastewater treatment permit for the island community of Wrangell. It's the first of nine Alaska communities that all operate under the same type of wastewater permit waiver to receive updates. The agency initially proposed a permit with new requirements in October of last year, but there have since been changes. EPA spokesperson Bill Dunbar says the newest proposal corrects some internal errors made by agency staff. We discovered that it needed some nips and tucks. There were a couple of uh, errors that we needed to tidy up. The updated proposal also adds additional testing requirements like testing growth rates and toxicity in various fish and shellfish species. We also did add monitoring for PFAS, which is a what we call an emerging contaminant that EPA and, and others are concerned about and interested in. So there's some monitoring that, that's required now under that permit. Wrangell's wastewater treatment facility is one of a handful in the state that operate on what's called a 301H waiver. It's a federal permit that upholds state water quality standards while allowing certain coastal communities to forego full treatment of sewage. It basically allows the communities to pipe minimally treated waste into the ocean. So it's very close partnership with the state to make sure that as we write new permits under this waiver program that um, they still meet state water quality standards. Dunbar says the focal point of updated permits is new state water quality standards for a few types of bacteria. The new permits try to clamp down on potential fecal bacterial contamination in the waters around communities where people recreate or harvest seafood. The old adage used to be the solution to pollution is dilution, and that's essentially what the Wrangell plant was designed to do. That's Wrangell's Public Works Director, Tom Waiter. He's been in communication with wastewater regulatory agencies and says it's been a frustrating process. Now the rules are changing and, and solution to pollution is, is not really dilution anymore. Like they're, they, they want it actually treated, not just diluted. Waiter calls the updated permit a massive increase in testing requirements. Wrangell's current wastewater treatment system won't be able to meet the new requirements. The community will have to set up a disinfection step for the effluent or what leaves the treatment plant. Initial engineering estimates put the price tag of the new setup at over $12.5 million. Waiter says testing expenses alone will likely increase four to five times what they are now. He says it's been a discouraging process to work with the regulatory agencies on the community's new permit. From one year to the next, they just continue adding more and more requirements and stipulations in. He says he feels like every time he meets with the EPA or State Division of Environmental Conservation, which sets state water quality standards, the goalposts continue to be moved. At the end of the day, like, Wrangell gets it and we're on board. Like, we want to have good water quality being discharged out into the receiving waters. But it feels a little bit like the EPA basically didn't do anything for 20 years 
and now they're trying to make up for lost time and they're trying to cram everything down on us here all at once. Wrangell is on the smaller end of communities with 301H waivers. Others in southeast include Petersburg, Sitka, and Ketchikan. There are also some major cities with the waivers as well, like Anchorage and even San Diego, California. The other 301H communities in Alaska also face permit updates and increased requirements in the coming years. Waiter says Wrangell and other small southeast communities are working with national engineering firm HDR to try and communicate with regulatory agencies as a block. Although the permit isn't quite final yet, Waiter says Wrangell officials are trying to think outside the box and find funding to meet the new requirements without overburdening ratepayers. Utility rates in the community have jumped in the past two years already, with sewer rates increased by around 50 percent. Waiter says EPA officials told him they'd take into consideration the community's comments about cost. I was like, well, yeah, consideration doesn't pay the bills, you know, so until it's until we know that we're going to get some help on this or that there's going to be some help with the funding for these mandates, we have to assume that we're paying for it out of our own pocket and we can't afford that. Wrangell submitted comments on its updated proposed permit at the end of August. Waiter says he thinks Wrangell's final permit could be issued in October. Then it'll be crunch time for the community to set up new testing procedures and get moving on sewage disinfection to fulfill the requirements before the next permit review five years from now. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. Haynes's only licensed daycare provider is losing assistance from a federal food program. The inspections necessary to qualify for the program will not be offered virtually anymore. And traveling to Haynes does not fit in the budget of the organization performing the inspections. Alain de Plemini has more. For over 25 years, Kim Larson has provided childcare services in Haines. All this time, she has received assistance from the U.S. Department of Agriculture's food program. This allows her to provide free meals to the children in her care. I serve nutritional meals. I have to report daily what I serve, and uh, those meals are covered by the federal food grant that the state of Alaska gets. According to an Alaska Department of Education representative, in one month this year, over 170 daycare providers filed for reimbursements for a meal, serving on average 1,200 children a day. But this assistance for Larson and her Kids Are Fun daycare is about to end. To qualify for the program, her home has to undergo three reviews per year. They do unannounced visits, and they just come and make sure, you know, I'm serving the right food. For lunch, you have to have a meat, you have to have a vegetable, a, a fruit, a bread, and milk. You have to serve the milk, and the right type of milk for the infants and the older kids, and the serving amounts. Every, I mean, it's, it's a lot of paperwork. But Larson says the ten dollars to $12,000 she gets from the program every year are worth the hassle. The reviews are performed by nonprofits who act as sponsors and do much administrative work. Their staff travels to daycare providers around the state. The cost and time commitment for sponsors is high, and many nonprofits have quit. There is currently only one organization in the state of Alaska that provides sponsorship the Alaska Family Child Care Association, based in Anchorage. It is expensive to send staff to a town to do a single inspection, 
So the AFCCA has a policy of not traveling to towns that have only one licensed daycare provider. Haynes used to have two, but one closed down a few years ago. Fortunately for Larson, during the pandemic, the federal government issued waivers allowing for virtual reviews. It seemed to work great, you know. It was still a surprise. I never knew when they were going to call, and I had to answer the phone because they know what time I serve my meals. And, yeah, I showed them the type of milk. I showed them the meals I was serving. But now the USDA is back to mandating in-person reviews. Last month, Larson received a letter from the AFCCA. One sentence stood out. It said, quote, Due to budgetary concerns, the cost of sponsoring homes in Haines is not feasible currently. Larson says without the assistance, she will have to increase her rates. I think it's like about $175 more a month per child. With the way child care is going right now, it just doesn't seem right that the state and the federal government can't come to a way to help the people in rural areas. Gavin Northey works at the Alaska Department of Education, which administers the assistance program at the state level. He says he has taken steps to try to make sponsorship more affordable. So I have submitted a request to the USDA requesting a waiver so that only one visit be required in person, and then two visits could be performed as unannounced virtual visits. Northey says even if the waiver is issued, there is no guarantee a sponsor will step up. He says the reviews are necessary to discourage fraud, and that a broader problem is that less daycare providers are getting licensed and opting into the program. He says if more providers participated, the food assistance program could reach farther into rural areas. You know, our goal is to serve as many children across the state of Alaska as possible. So certainly we encourage um, if there's daycare homes out there that aren't licensed to get unlicensed and to consider participation so that it will make it possible for um, a sponsoring organization to take on the programs in Haines. Um, or other locations in Alaska. A USDA brochure promoting the food assistance program did not appear to differentiate between the food children eat and the food they drop on the floor. For KHNS, I'm Alan DePremenil. For transparency, the reporter's son attends the Kids Are Fun daycare in Haines. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.